Welcome to episode 25 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. Nathan Ruby will be joining us shortly. On today's episode, we wrap up our interview with Rob Hatch, business coach and advisor. As we mentioned in our last episode, Nathan and I benefited from coaching sessions with Rob and are grateful for the practical wisdom and insight that he brings. Rob also got his start in the nonprofit world, so he speaks our language. In our last episode, we were discussing the principles behind putting success in our way as a leader. And Rob begins to talk about frameworks and being the architect of your life. Here's part two with Rob Hatch. And so now you were talking about frameworks. This is what worked for me. That's what put success in my way work looks like for me. But if we just take those principles, that, that principle and those elements, if we agree that those are true, then we, that we do have limited willpower, decisions sap us, and, and we, we can leverage habits. Then we can say, okay, what do I need? Like what you need in your, to start your day might be very different. Maybe it's not in two hours. Um, your rules might be a little different, how you construct your rules. So this is the power of a framework is to take sort of what's true. Like if you're building a house, if you are the architect of your own system, an architect has to follow certain rules. Like, you know, we can't, there's engineering rules we have to follow. You cannot break the laws of physics. We have to you know, build something on based on certain principles, but how it looks, how it feels, how it serves us, you know, um, how big it is, how small it is. That's where the fun is because you can take a framework and make it your own, uh, design it to fit you. I am not a good follower of somebody else's system, but that, so the whole book for me and that whole idea is here's ideas in a framework for you to play with what put success in your way looks like for you is very different, but you kind of can't ignore the principles of it. Yeah. It, you know, it's yesterday, um, you know, Tim and I have, have read the book and, uh, and Tim and I both have had coaching sessions with you. And so, you know, this is a, this is a concept that we're aware of and that we try to practice. And so actually yesterday morning, I'm working on my success block and I'm working on my three projects and my email dinged, it went off and I made the mistake of looking at it. And, uh, which I know I'm not supposed to, but I did. Well, it happens though. Right. I mean, we all do. I mean, I, I failed in that moment. And, um, I, so I read it. I did choose to not respond to it because I didn't have to, but as I'm th- literally thinking to myself, okay, I shouldn't have opened that email. I should have kept focused, but I'm opening the next email. <laughs> and so that is so ingrained in, and, you know, you get an email, input response, input response. And, and I just, as I was telling myself, I shouldn't be opening the next email. I'm literally opening the next. Oh, email. It's, it's, it, and it's so hard. I mean, and there, I tell people all the time or try to remind them that I am not perfect at this system that I've developed it. You know, we, we all fall down sometimes it can't, you know, we're not robots and we're susceptible. This, these, these dings and buzzes are really powerful and they've, they've created some interesting habits in our brain and brain wiring, you know, one turning off the notifications is really helpful. Uh, so you don't get the, so the temptation goes away. That's uh, that, that would be thing number one, but what you've illustrated though, is, is not just the, the temptation, but just our inbox. You said you made a decision not to respond, but even just checking what came in, 
And as we're scanning, this is what I think we don't, if we slow it down for a second. So you, let's say 10 emails came in overnight and you go to your inbox and you just scan the subject lines. Every single thing that you read, you're saying, do I respond? Do I open it? Yes, no. Those are all little tiny decisions that you're having to consider. And it's planting some other thought in your mind. You're like, oh, that's from Tim. It's probably about this. So I I can put that aside from now. But now you're kind of thinking about the this and maybe wondering what he said based on what you wrote before to him and kind of curious about his response. So now you've created almost an eagerness to want to read it, that you've got to suspend so it requires some willpower exertion not to open it now. You know, like we just by looking at your inbox, you are taxing your decisions and your willpower almost immediately, which is why I, you know, try my best not to ever open it unless I'm done my success block. And that too, that, you know, that success block is really just flipping what I used to do because I, in all the walking around and all the letting interruptions come in, I would get a lot of stuff done throughout the day, but it was haphazard. But the real important work got crammed right to the very end before I would leave. It never got it done to completion or satisfaction. Of course, there's always more to do. Um, But I'm pushing it right up against my family time, wanting to get home and have dinner with them. At the time that I did this, my kids were really young and having meals together still is very important, but most of them are gone out of the house now, or a few of them are gone out of the house now. But at that time, you know, getting home for family dinner was really, really important. And I would push the push that envelope and sometimes, you know, bump into it in ways that it, it you know, it's not fun. Um, because I was trying to cram all my work in. Now I flip it and put it in the front. And if the rest of the day blows up, I can say it was a successful day because I got my success block done, the three priorities done. And I feel so much better about knowing that at least I moved those things forward. I, I was sharing a little bit of this with, with some people yesterday. Um, I have tried to initiate this. Like I, one of the things I do is I haven't gone Steve jobs, but I, I do put all my clothes out the night before. And yep. it really helps because I usually get dressed in the dark because my wife is still sleeping. So that make sure I have, you know, matching clothes on. Um, but just a few of those little things have been so really have been helpful in my own experience. It did occur to me yesterday as we, as we were sharing, we are on different seasons of our lives and how we respond to these things have to be appropriate to the season we're in. So you're yes. talking about, you know, when you have, when you have kids that are littler and, some of those family um, demands would be different from someone who kids are older, they're on their own, they're doing. So it doesn't necessarily say, well, you're off the hook, <laughs> but right. it does say the, the framework, the architect um, approach may be different because of your season, but it is still possible to apply the principles that we're talking about. Absolutely. In all cases, I mean, now I have different, things that I want to do with my time outside of work that, that, that maybe aren't so demanding, but it's, it's more of a, a choice and a lifestyle. Um, you know, I, I actually still have one young child at home who is 12 and I coach her basketball team. And so it's really important still for me to be, you know, available when she gets home from school, at least a little bit to say hi and check in and to have the time to do those things and plan for, I'm not a you know skilled basketball player by any stretch. She's she's better than I am at you know in the sixth sixth grade. She's better than I am now. But 
I still have to. So that means I have to work a little harder to have the time to do it. So I got to get, I got to put my own work in the right place based on that. So that's again, why it's a framework, but it's, it frameworks can be flexible in that regard. You can apply them, not just person to person, but season to season, as you're pointing out. And I didn't do it very well. Like the, this framework did not arrive in time for me to take advantage of this when my kids were really, really young. Um, they were, you know, young, a lot younger, but, but I would have benefited from, from just serving everyone in my life better if I had just put that work someplace else or had that a container for it. Maybe it's not first thing in the morning for you. Maybe your best time, you know, you've got certain demands that you have to attend to first thing in the morning that then you, but so take the two hour block and put it somewhere else, put it, split it in two. If two hours, all one, two hour stretch won't work for you. Do an hour here and an hour there or whatever, whatever it takes. But the principle of blocking off the time, choosing ahead of time, what you're going to work on getting really specific, making sure you're aligning that work to your priorities, whatever they may be, that still can be done. Someone asked me yesterday about the the idea of how hard it is to, to move the obstacles. And you talk a little bit about that in these frameworks. Not only do you put success in your way, but one of the ways to do that is get the obstacles out of the way that yeah. that stop you. Can you can you talk a little bit about that, that that approach? Just identifying, I mean, let's let's pick on Nate here and uh and you know that notification is an obstacle. So it's looking at the things that are grabbing your attention and pulling you away and realizing that you do have some control over it. You, we accept the default settings on a lot of software, for example, we'll install something and they'll say, do you want notifications? You might agree to that. And then next thing you know, you've got 15 different apps notifying you that are completely unnecessary, but pausing for a moment and saying, how do I want to use this app or how do I want it to notify me? What, how do, how do I want these things to serve me? Cause that's what they're there for. Their email is a, is a service and it serves a purpose and we can structure it in a way that works for us. One of the ways that I did that with email was I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to look at my inbox because anything that hits my inbox is kind of random. So if I get more than a few emails from someone it gets filtered into a very specific folder so that when I open my inbox, if one of those folders is unread, I know someone important in my life has emailed me, something important is there. So I don't even have to check the inbox so much. The first place I want to check is these folders. And so it just skips the inbox entirely, goes right there. That's a rule I've chosen. But here's some of the flexibility for some people. They don't... um, If it goes somewhere else, they will never look at it. So I've heard people say, I do the filtering, but I still keep it in my inbox so I don't lose it because I'm worried that I will forget about it if it goes somewhere else. So same principle, but it's thinking about how do I want to receive emails from certain people? Um, How do I want them highlighted? What's How do I want to be notified that this is important versus just a mess in my inbox? We get to shape that. We, we really get to, de- to make those decisions. So that's part of clearing things out is figuring out what is actually, what am I getting pulled into that I don't really need to be pulled into? Um, 
Sometimes it's taking an app and removing it from your phone. If it's if Facebook is taking up a lot of your time and you just keep beating yourself up about it, as hard as it might be, remove it from your phone and only maybe only do it on your desktop or something. Or yeah. um, when I go into Facebook, I like it to be or to TikTok or anything like that. You know, it, it, I want it to be a conscious decision. I'm going here to spend some time to relax, to check in with friends, to just to see what's going on in the world to laugh a little bit. If it's TikTok, you know, there's, you know, there's some funny videos there, you know, why right, not? Right. <laughs> um, but it's, a, it, it, I want it to be more of a decision than a distraction, like a, or, or a, a deliberate action rather than a distraction. Yeah. And some of these things are, some of the things you mentioned are really so simple. They're kind of obvious, but we don't really think about it. And one of the things that I did uh, about six months ago, I realized that my, I have my work email and I have my personal email and I have two other emails, way too many emails, but my, my personal email had, I was getting, I don't know how many hundreds of emails a day. And most of them, I didn't even care to look at. And so I finally took, it took me about an hour to go through and unsubscribe, 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 unsubscribe. And, uh, it, it, it was amazing. Now I still get them. Uh, and I, I realized the other day, I might have to go through and do it again and purge a little bit more, but now it's, I'm only getting the ones that I really have an interest in and in looking at. And that, and that is, that has helped the huge stockpile of unread emails. Yeah. I, I do a monthly maintenance on my email still to this day because, you know, new clients will come in and they need to be filtered in a, to a certain place, or, um, I might sign up for something and forget that, you know, I use that email and all of a sudden I'm getting emails, promotional emails from them. I don't want those. So I, I need to unsubscribe. Um, what I, I, there's, I was giving this uh, advice to someone recently who's really overwhelmed by email and basically talking to her about the structure that I described, but getting to the structure, that hour that you're talking about is really hard sometimes. Mm. And th- my cheat for that, and people call it cheating, but I'll, fight with them on that in a second. But the cheat for that is, you know, go through the last couple of weeks of emails and see if there's anything important that you're really worried about. The rest, there is this thing where you can select all, mark as read and archive everything. And particularly if you have Gmail, you can archive everything. It'll be there forever. Hmm. So if you're really worried about losing something, you're not going to lose it because it's searchable. But selecting everything, just clearing out to inbox zero kind of does this hard reset where as things come in, then you can start to apply the filters and yeah. say, okay, definite keep. And it just makes the maintenance a little easier, but I still about every month do a, a bit of a, a maintenance. And sometimes it is a select all, you know, mark all as read and archive um, just to clear it out. And for people that think that's cheating, I'm saying, who's setting the rules on that? Like what, <laughs> you know, it's my inbox. I get to decide right. what I want to yeah, do. Do what I want. I don't need to do this hard work when there is a simple solution. And again, I'm not missing anything. And if, if I did, like, usually people are pretty forgiving. Um, and also will usually email you back because their inbox is overwhelmed and they're impatient and they sent you something and they're waiting for a reply. So they'll send you a reminder. Um, I haven't missed much. I mean, there's been a few things, but very rarely, and most people are pretty forgiving. It, it, it really, takes a mind shift in some ways to move from kind of being, um, I was going to say a martyr, not a martyr, but a victim, I guess, in some ways going, I'm just a victim of my schedule, I'm a victim of my job, I'm a victim of all this, 
to say, wait a minute, no, you actually have more choice than you're realizing right now. So what can you choose right now? That hour to, to do your ma- to mailbox and some of those kind of things. I just, I appreciate your, your challenging us to like, Hey, make decision. Let's, let's go forward. Well, thank, I mean, it, it, I, I just, I, that you asked in the beginning, sort of, or near the beginning, what was the reason for writing the book? And, and part of it is just to help people create some of that space and realize that they do have control um, over their day and over their time to, to a certain extent. I mean, they're all, everyone's got demands. I, you know, my family, something happens and I don't have control over my schedule. All of a sudden I've got to respond and that's fine. But that setting up my day in such a way that I can actually do that, that's a choice, right? Knowing that I'm going to have my important things done to the best of their abilities um, so that I can be available is a choice rather than feeling like it's a real interruption in the day. Uh, and I, you know, I try to communicate with my clients about that rule. You know, I share that rule with everyone I speak with uh, about the, you know, two call thing, like, you know, our time is ours, um, but my family comes first, you know, so I, at some point will share that information usually uh, that if I ever got two calls, uh, I'm going to drop everything for my family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they understand. I mean, they would too, right? I mean, it's just being <laughs> upfront about that is helpful. And that's a control. I get to say that to people. Um, and no one's bothered by it. That's the other thing is just realizing that people don't get as bothered by it as much as they start to admire it and want to emulate it in some way. And they see right. that you're onto something. Uh, even communicating with your boss, if you are being supervised in an environment and the culture may not support this because it's a whirlwind, busy, busy culture, starting to say, I'm, I'm going to start trying to do, set aside about an hour a day and I'm going to be unavailable. So I'm not going to respond to Slack messages. I'm not going to do this, but here's what I'm trying to do and communicating that and aligning it with the values of the organization and talking about the grant work that you're doing and finding that I, once I get going, I can't stop. And if I have to stop, that's it's it's that, interrupting my flow or whatever it is. So, you know, if you can communicate that to whoever to whoever you're working with, if you're a supervisor and you communicate it with people that you're supervising, you also start to create permission within the organization. Now you you start to create maybe this culture of it's okay to say I'm not available for a while, um, because everyone has important work to do, and for a couple of hours a day we can shut down. Um, is you know, is email being used like a chat system in your work? Uh, a lot of people expect an immediate response, but 24 hours is a pretty reasonable expectation. 24 business hours, I would say. Yeah. So you get an email on a Friday, it's okay to respond on a Monday. When I joined that organization, um, let, I, I, had, I let them know in a couple of different ways that if my life at home was in good shape. If um, So the first conversation came around uh, benefits, or they, they offered health benefits and they said, oh, you know, you're covered, uh, but your family, you know, would be extra. And already, you know, I'm like, I'm taking this pay cut as it is uh, to do this work. But, but I said, I need you to cover my family because if I know that everything's okay at home, I can give you so much more here. So containing those things and taking a little bit of control and saying what, you know, control what you can control, obviously uh, some, some things are out of there, 
but saying, you know, if I, if I can have this focus, then I can give you more. What, what do I need? What support do I need to have that focus? Well, I need no one to interrupt me for an hour. I need to know that everyone's okay on my team. You guys got this. I'm going to step aside, work on some stuff. I'll be back. But so creating those boundaries, I think is really, really important. Rob, is, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. But before we do, I know one of the things that uh, Nathan and I have really benefited from our relationship with you as well as following Chris Rogan on online. Um, it's your, it's your framework called action stacks. Mm, and yeah. that has been so helpful to us. Could you just maybe touch base on that real, real quick? What, what's an action stack and why is it important? So action stacks are simple, repeatable um, project plans or, or um, I don't want to say projects. It's like tiny little project plans. It's for repeatable tasks that you do over and over again. And the example I always use is I'm, I'm the person who generally sets up our webinars in our organization. Uh, but there's a lot of steps involved. There's three, three or four different software pieces involved. And I can remember it all in my head. I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. So I know all of the steps. But going back to willpower and decisions and habits, like I don't want to expend any of my brain energy thinking about recalling which step to do. So an action stack actually lists out all of the steps for me. So if I'm doing that, I will pull it up and simply go through each step. Even though I can remember it, I'll, um, I need this list because my brain will say, okay, step one, step two, step four, step, oh crap, wait, step <laughs> three, step five, step seven, eight. And now I'm back, you know, and I'm jumping all over and I might get it all done, but I'm not going to leave knowing it was all done perfectly. I might have a lingering like, oh, crap, did I remember to do that step? Um, I'm using all sorts of, you know, decision making willpower energy to stay focused and remember and recall on something that is so rote Mm -hmm. and it's repeated time and time again. Why would I want to use any of my brain power? remembering those steps when I could just pull up the list and follow it. Like there's no honor in that. You're talking about hard work. Like why work hard at something that doesn't need to be worked, you know, that, that hard. Um, It is a simple, simple process now that I know it. So I create all these lists for repeatable things. And I just, if it's something like that, I will pull it up and I happen to use Google keep. You can use whatever you want. You can use paper to create these lists, post-it notes, um, Evernote, I like Google keep because every time, uh, so it allows you to create a checklist and every time I check a box, it crosses it out and drops it to the bottom. And so now it's gone for, for temporarily at least. And then at the end of my action stack, I click uncheck all boxes and it restores it right where it was. So it, it removes it as I go and restores at the end. And that's the functionality that I loved and I, it worked for me. But again, much in the same way with frameworks, platform agnostic, whatever works for you. But the lists, that's, I mean, it's so proven. If you, um, there's a book called uh, The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande, a physician. And he has studied the power of checklists time and time and time again uh, in, 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 you know, outcomes in, in surgery. 
Uh, pilots use them. I mean, they're used in so many. These are smart people who know what they're doing. But if they use a checklist, their outcomes are vastly improved. It's it's been awesome, uh, Nathan. Would you agree? You know, as we've as we've talked about that and tried to to implement them, it's been a it's been a game changer. Well, yeah, starting yeah. a podcast, yeah. same thing, right? Right. Like right. You, when you're when you're getting ready, like you know everything, you know what needs to be on. But Nathan, you said you're in a different location today, so things are a little out of whack, and that's when I think the checklist is even more powerful because your environment throws you off a little bit. So pull yep. up the checklist. What do I, what do I need to have right now um, to get this done? What, what are the steps? Because my usual cues are all thrown off. So, so it's portable in that way. I think. Um, I'll tell you another benefit. I had one of those things that I do all the time and I had an action stack for it. And I got to the place where I, I was going to delegate that task. I no longer need to do it. And I said, it's really easy. Here's the, here's the stack. Here's how you do it. And just hand it off. Yeah. And the person just follows it. I don't have to explain everything per se. You know, it was, it was so smooth in that transition. It is like a, a, a standard operating procedure manual for your, for whatever you're doing. Um, I have it for aspects of my personal life. I have them for work. Uh, so many things because yeah, I don't want to have to think about it. I just don't. And there's reminders you can set you know, oh, this is like today I have a couple, uh, you know, that will pop up monthly tasks. It's the beginning of the month. Um, and, and I, and I, you know, have certain things that I need to do and it's all there. Uh, the, the next level that I learned from someone else, um, was putting, so I might have a, you know, open zoom might be the top of the list, right? Well, I started adding the link right next to it instead of just doing it and then going and doing it I was like oh what i could tuck the link right here too so i don't even have to go type it in anymore now it's open zoom i click the button and, and that thing is done and and having all those things linked as much as you can or links to documents uh that you need to do certain things it's, you can you start you start playing around and make them even more effective Feels like it can take over the world, man. You just have all these things in, in place, right? It's a, well, it's another example of put success in your way, really. In the end, it is, I don't want to think about this. There's lots of things that are going to get in the way. I don't want to remember it. How do I put success in my way so that the task gets done with minimal effort? Yeah, that's great. Rob, if if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to find you, to, to connect with you? If they maybe are interested in coaching or want to in, interact with you, What's the best way to, to get in contact with you? Sure. You can, uh, anyone can email me anytime, uh, rob at robhatch.com. So let's just, let me just say that that's the easiest way, uh, you know, just to, you know, reach out, but you can also check out things on robhatch.com. That's really the best place to kind of get an overview of who I am and what I do. And, uh, you know, talks a little bit about the coaching links to the book, things like that. So, uh, robhatch.com is a good place, but honestly, shoot me an email, um, rob at robhatch.com. So I want to know what folder that email will go into if they that'll hit the no. inbox because they're new. <laughs> okay. That'll hit the inbox. Okay. Um, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, but, yeah, we'll put all that information in the uh, in the show notes. So if somebody wants to go there and find all that information as well as a link to the book. Highly awesome. recommend it. It was uh, highly, highly. Yeah, yep. It was really good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with Rob Hatch. 
Rob's information, along with a link to his book, Attention, will be in the show notes. If you're appreciating what you hear on this podcast, would you take a minute and leave a review on the platform you use to listen to the podcast? If you'd like to get in touch with Nathan or myself, our emails are always in the show notes, or you can contact us at nonprofitleader.online. Leave a comment or voicemail and let us know what topics you would like to hear or what you would find helpful. Until next time.